Well, very good. As I said at the very beginning, perhaps you weren't here yet, at the very beginning this morning, I said, well, today is not a bar or bought anything, nor a visiting anything, as in visiting scholar symposium. It is Shabbat, which is a great uh, holy day uh, in and of itself, in and of itself. And of course, uh, tonight is uh, Shavuot, and really, if you look on a calendar, it will say tomorrow, you know, tomorrow and Monday in the diaspora outside of the land of Israel, Uh, but it begins uh, tonight. The tradition actually is that you stay up all night uh, tonight and study a particular anthology about this holiday. We've always found that uh, if we stay up all night and study anything about Shavuot, it's whoever has insomnia uh, is is here to the bitter end. So uh, tonight we're just going, we're going to have our service, we'll uh, have a a dessert time, and uh, I don't know, I guess I'm shooting from the hip, which is always a scary thing, that I suppose we could hang out uh, and study a little bit. Perhaps uh, afterwards, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but you know, you get that sugar thing going at nighttime. Forget about it, right? You know, okay. But uh, but anyway, tonight we will focus specifically on uh, Shavuot uh, in our message, and then of course the uh, the tradition is to have um, sweet dairy products. Uh, it's a tradition. It reminds us of the land. The, the land of milk and honey, you know? Uh, and there is a real focus on the land on this, uh, on this uh, holiday. So this morning, we're going to uh, talk a little bit, not exactly about Shavuot, but we're going to read or study uh, a passage of Scripture that is read on Shavuot, usually in the afternoon, sometime not in the morning service, but in the afternoon, and that is the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is uh, read on Shavuot. It's one of the um, Megillot, right? If you're in our writings course uh, at MSI, we just talked about Esther and Ruth uh, just last Monday night. So there are, there are five particular shorter books of the Bible that are read on particular holidays, okay? And the reality is, is nobody really knows whether they're they're actually in the scriptures because they're read on the holidays, or they're read on the holidays because they're in the scriptures. But it doesn't really matter to us. It is what it is, right? So, on, for example, uh, the Feast of Esther, can you imagine what book might be read on that day, right? The book of Esther, that's right. On uh, an observance that is called Tisha B'Av, that actually is a date, and it's the name of a holiday, but it's a date. Tisha B'Av, which is the ninth day of the Hebrew month of Av, that is a day when we remember a lot of uh, sadness and, and uh, you know, destructive things that have happened in the history of the Jewish people. On that day, the book of Lamentations is read. On Passover, we may not be that familiar with this, but on Passover, there is a, a particular a book, uh, from the wisdom literature of Israel that is read, and that is the song of, literally, Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs. We call it the Song of Solomon. And that is read uh, because of the love relationship between Israel and God and so on that we remember at Passover. 
Then, very interestingly, on Sukkot, you would never think this unless, you're, unless you knew it or you studied it, but it makes sense when you hear it. The book of the Bible that is read on Sukkot, this happy, wonderful celebration, it is Ecclesiastes, right? Because of the flimsy sukkah, you know, that reminds us of life being somewhat tentative, you know, and looking forward to the future. So Ecclesiastes is read on that day. Uh, and then the book of Ruth on Shavuot. So now we don't have, the, uh, someday we'll raise uh, the funds for it. But uh, traditionally, uh, if you go to a synagogue that has a really big Aron HaKodesh, big ark, you know, and lots of Torah scrolls, you will find that inside there, there will be five scrolls, not on two spindles, but on one. Uh, and uh, that would be these five books, these five books of the Bible that are read on these particular holidays. Okay, so Ruth is what is read on Shavuot. Now the question is why, right? Why do we read the book of Ruth on Shavuot? Well, you know what they say. Uh, there's more than one opinion, we'll say, as to why the book of Ruth is read. I would say that uh, there are two main reasons, okay? Two main reasons. One is when you uh, read in the scriptures, as we'll look tonight, about uh, what Shavuot means. Shavuot, by the way, is, means, you know, 50, okay? 50 days. It's the 50th, you know, 50 days. Uh, and so, uh, or weeks. Literally, it means weeks. Literally, it means weeks, okay? Shavuot. Like we say, what do we say at the end of Shabbat, right? We say Shavuot Tov, Shavuot Tov, right? Which means like to a good week, Shavuot. So Shavuot means weeks. If you read in your scriptures, you'll see this is called the Feast of Weeks, right? The Feast of Weeks. And in Hebrew, why don't I say this for tonight? Oh, well, I'm talking about it already. And you'll forget by tonight anyway, so it'll be all right, right? Uh, and that is that in Hebrew, the word week would be like what the word dozen means, like in English. Like when you say a dozen eggs, you know, all, you know right away it's 12, right? Boom, a dozen, 12, right? Week means seven. Shavuah is seven, okay? Usually, seven days could mean seven weeks, uh, but it is the context and what is actually written in the passage that, that we know. Like, for example, the book of Daniel, it talks about weeks of days, you know, so you know that it's actually talking about days. But generally speaking, and certainly when we're reading about it as a holiday, right, uh, we know that you shall count for yourself seven weeks and then add a day, right? So seven days, a seven. So there you go. Wow. Okay. Uh, when you read about this holiday, Shavuot, uh, it's an agricultural holiday in the Bible. It is a feast of ingathering of the wheat harvest, of the wheat harvest, okay? Which occurs, it's like the late spring harvest. And it's very interesting because you read specifically in uh, this uh, book, in the book of Ruth, you have a verse that uh, talks about, it's in the context of the story, but it says, it's in chapter 2 in verse 23, so she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. 
Okay, so the barley harvest is right around Passover. The wheat harvest is Shavuot, right? So it kind of makes sense agriculturally to talk about this book on an, uh, this great agricultural holiday. But also, uh, I might suggest that at the very end of the book of Ruth, uh, we read that, I hope I'm not, uh, uh, the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, right, you know, that uh, Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. And so we read about David's ancestry. Very important, uh, very important here. Now, there are other things, uh, great things about the book, but as to the you know, express purpose of it, I would suggest the express purpose of it was the agriculture descended from King David. But we're going to learn today that uh, certainly uh, Ruth, the story of Ruth, is a demonstration of what we like to call the Torah way of life is really all about. It is, it is sort of, you might say, a historical story depicting this way of life that God calls us to. Okay? All right. So the story is, it's tough times, right? It's the days of the judges, right? Uh, it's the days of the judges. Notice it says that right at the beginning, right? Now it came about in the days when the judges governed. Well, what do we know about the days that the judges governed, right? We know that there was no king in Israel. Very important, no king in Israel. And we know that people did what was right in their own eyes, right? So it was really kind of a dark time. People were just doing whatever they wanted to do. And in the middle of it, we find these people, okay? The primary characters, of course, is Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. You probably know the story. Naomi and her husband uh, leave the land and go to Moab, right? They go to Moab. Uh, Moab, you know, if you remember, the, uh, the origins of Moab are rather interesting. It's the relationship of Lot and his daughters, right? So it's and always a perennial enemy of uh, the Jewish people and so on. So they go down to Moab and all the men die. Naomi's husband dies and their two sons die, all right? You can read it right there in the text, right? And so what is left is Naomi and two daughters-in-law, okay? Now she has to come back. Naomi has to come back. Because as bad as it will be in uh, Israel, it would be worse for her in uh, Moab. There was no social service agencies uh, in this day. A woman needed a husband for, you know, it wasn't just uh, a nice, uh, you know, to live in a nice house in the suburbs or something. For existence, uh, for protection, right? So now Naomi is rather... Uh, well, old, past childbearing age, right? And she has these two daughters-in-law who are from Moab. Ay vey, right? This is really uh, a bad place for Naomi to be. So she comes back and she says to the girls the right thing. Look, there's no way, if, there's no way that I'm going to find a man. And even if I found a man and I had a child, are you going to wait until... Uh, until he or they grow up 
and marry them again. That's just not going to be. The right thing is for you to go back to Moab. That's the right thing uh, to do. And so Orpah does it. Orpah and Ruth are the, are the daughters-in-law, and she does it. This is not a bad thing. She loves Naomi. She, in fact, traveled with Naomi and, and you know, sort of, you know, wasn't real happy with uh, leaving, but she goes back. She does the uh, conventional thing. She does what is expected, okay? Ruth, on the other hand, stays. Ruth stays. And we read a very famous set of verses in chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So, you know, Orpah is, I think sometimes Orpah gets a little bit of a raw deal here. You know, like she escaped or she ran away or, no, no. But she just did the, the thing that just about everybody would do, okay? But Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So we can tell here that Ruth is kind of a stubborn person, right? She's, in other words, Naomi, so she's, well, there's no point in arguing this anymore, right? And so Ruth stays. Now what's interesting about this is we often view this this set of verses as like a conversion uh, statement. But what's interesting is, is that for the rest of the book, Ruth is called a Moabitess. For the rest of the book, her identity, her personal ethnic identity never changes. Okay? She's not called an Israelite in this at all. Uh, Or she takes on some tribal name of Israel. She's called a Moabite. Okay? So she is a foreigner dwelling with the Jewish people for her whole life, okay? So that's important. Also, what's really important is it's not the main part of the story. Sometimes we think that this is the main thing. This is what the book of Ruth is all about. This is not what the book of Ruth is all about. This just tells us something about Ruth, (laughs) you know, something important about Ruth and the kind of person that she is and uh, her relationship her extraordinary relationship to Naomi. And we'll see that in just a few moments. Okay? So now they're back. So Ruth and Naomi are back. And they're in a bad way. Right? They need food. And so we read here at the beginning of uh, chapter 2. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband. Okay, so the word kinsman is kind of an interesting word. It simply means... Like, uh, you know how sometimes in certain parts of the country, people refer to their relatives as their people. You ever hear that? Like, oh, we have people down, uh, I was going to say West Virginia, but don't take that personally, okay? Uh, We have people over here, people, right? Like relatives, not necessarily close relatives, but just relatives, okay? That's what kinsmen 
means. Actually, uh, it can actually even mean something like acquaintance. It doesn't, you know, it, it's just so, someone that, that is known, okay? All right. A man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, right? Elimelech was the wife of uh, Naomi, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, the text, I always like to say this, goes out of its way to remind us who Ruth is, okay? All right. This is all going to come in handy in a few minutes. All right. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one whose sight I may find favor. Uh, and she said to her, Go, my daughter. Okay. So, uh, Na- so Ruth goes out to where they're picking the grain in hopes that somebody will notice her and give her food. Okay? That's, uh, you know, that's what's happening here. All right. Now we see that she happens upon Boaz. And Boaz has heard that Ruth has shown kindness to Naomi. So he says he will provide for her. If you go down to verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. So he speaks to her very uh, in an endearing kind of way. In an endearing kind of way. Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. See, that's very important. At this point, Boaz is just, you know, stay here with my people. Stay here with my maids. Not like you're, uh, you know, you're going to be my wife or something. That's not where he's thinking here. Just, I'm going to take care of you. Like, I'm going to take care of, of, uh, of others. Okay. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, this is very interesting what she says, why, why have I found favor in your eyes that's, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? She understands herself to be from Moab, living among Israel. Okay? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done and your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel." under whose wings you have come to seek uh, refuge. Okay? All right, we'll stop uh, there. All right. So uh, we see that uh, she now has met Boaz. Boaz appreciates her because of her relationship with Naomi. See? And so he says, because of that, I see what kind of person you are, even though you're from Moab of all places. Okay? So you're going to, you hang out with my maids, you know, and you get whatever you need, all right? I'm going to, I'm like going to ensure that you, you know, you get what you need because of your relationship with Naomi. Now, Ruth goes back and tells Naomi, good news, I met Boaz. Now, Naomi is thinking, I have a plan for you. I have a wonderful plan for your life, Ruth. Okay, so now uh, we come to chapter three. Or actually, uh, in chapter 2, 
in verse 21. When, when uh, Ruth comes back and tells uh, Naomi about Boaz, right? We read this, actually in verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, this is in 2.20, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Okay, so that's very interesting. Relative and closest relative are two different words. Okay, now relative means someone we're related to in Hebrew. That's what the word means, someone we're related to. The word close relative, though, that even in your translation, you may have a different translation than close relative. It may say redeemer. Does anybody have that in your Bible? Does it say redeemer uh, in, uh, at the end of verse 20? The man is our relative. He is our redeemer. Could be. Maybe you have that there. Uh, I have closest relatives. Okay, so the word there is goel. Goel. Redeemer. Okay? And a redeemer, we read in the Bible, is one who had the means, motive, and opportunity to take someone who was a relative, and take them out of their bondage to freedom. We read about the Goel in a variety of circumstances in Leviticus chapter 25. A person uh, who goes into debt and then must become a, a slave. A close relative can redeem that person. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, we actually don't read, I don't believe we read the word Goel, but we read about a particular kind of law. And it is a law where if a husband dies, the brother, if he has a brother, his brother is to marry the girl so that his name, so that the husband who died's name is not uh, lost forever. And it's as if the husband, the, the deceased husband, is, has, had the, has had children. But it's the brother who marries her, or a close relative. And so uh, the reason that this is here is um, because it's sort of a combination. Evidently, by the time that we come to Ruth, the, the Goel in Leviticus 25, if you follow me, the redeemer of, of the person who's enslaved, okay, is also thought to be what the deceased husband's brother does, redeems, like redeems the woman, that she can have children now because her, her, you know, her husband had died. So the Goel comes, and now she is redeemed. She has children. That's what's going on here. And that's why uh, Naomi is kind of excited, okay? Then Ruth, the Moabitess, said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished my harvest. Okay, and so she goes on and explains what had taken place. So we see now that Naomi says, This guy is not only someone that's of our people, and not only a close relative, but he is our redeemer. He is the one in whom we have hope that he'll get us out of our horrible situation. So now in chapter 3, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? So isn't that great? Naomi is going to come up with a plan that, yes, it will benefit her. It will benefit Naomi. But what she says to Ruth is, I want to give you security for your life. Okay? Now, is not Boaz our kinsman? 
with whose maid you were, behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. Okay, so this is the plan. So Naomi wants Ruth to get noticed by Boaz, not just as one of the maids, but get noticed by Boaz, right? So she te- what does she tell her to do? Look, get dressed up, look good, okay? And when uh, he's sleeping, you go and lay down at his feet, okay? Which is a way of saying to Boaz, uh, I uh, am available, uh, and uh, I, uh, I'm interested. What's fascinating to me about that, by the way, just culturally, is that she takes the initiative. Isn't that kind of interesting? It's just interesting. She takes the initiative. It's not some life lesson here. Okay, you know what I mean? It's, I'm just saying it's really interesting that she takes the initiative. Okay? All right. Okay. So that's what happens, Right? And then Boaz, notice, he wakes up, he notices her, and he says, this is, you know, this is marvelous that, that this could happen, but, but there is someone that qualifies more than I do. There's a closer relative than me. And so now, when you come down to chapter 4, now, what's going to happen is, uh, it's going to be, the, it, what is, who's going to take care of Ruth? Is it the closer relative, or is it going to be Boaz? Now, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the, to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belongs to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. Okay. If you will redeem it, redeem it. And if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So the close relative is thinking, this is great. Okay, I'm going to redeem this piece of land, and I'll take care of Naomi in her old age. Uh, and so she will be redeemed. Okay, and the land will be redeemed and still stay in the family. But Boaz then says, but there's one more thing. Then, this is in verse 5. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Exactly what it says in in the Torah to, to do. Okay? The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself 
you may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. So this close relative does not want uh, to take Ruth in. So to cut to the chase, we know what happens. That, uh, that uh, 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 Boaz takes Ruth, and she becomes his wife. Okay? And now she is secure, Naomi is secure, uh, and, they're, uh, and they're taken care of. Okay, if, you, if we move toward the end, we see here in verse 11, all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephratah and become famous in Bethlehem. May over, may your house be like the house of Peretz, whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, a goel. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Isn't that amazing? What a blessing. They went from, from nothing to where they are now. The neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So what is interesting here, uh, it's kind of in passing, but it's important, that Naomi is redeemed. It's not just about Ruth. Naomi is redeemed, and that her, 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 she has going to have descendants, you know? Uh, where here she's old, and she sends the girls back, and Ruth stays, and now the two of them are basically without anything. Now, Naomi, not only is Ruth redeemed, the Moabitess, but Naomi uh, is redeemed. Uh, it's a great statement when it says, a son has been born to Naomi, you know? So you grandmas out there, uh, that's a great statement. Uh, we'll leave that right there. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say. Okay. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Okay? And then, again, you read, then at the end, now these are the generations of Peretz. And that's how you pronounce his name, by the way. Like with a T-Z at the end. It's not Perez. Okay? Peretz. Is, okay? That's how you say it. To Peretz was born Chezron. Chezron was born Ram. To Ram, Aminadab. To Aminadab was born Nashon. To Nashon, Salman. And to Salman was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. And that's how the book of Ruth ends, okay? So yes, it is a great love story. Uh, no doubt about it. It is a marvelous love story. But it's much, much, much more than that, okay? And so what do we see here? What we see is what the kind of love that Ruth shows to Naomi is a radical love. It is a radical mercy, a loyal love, chesed, 
with a capital Ch. Okay? Uh, it, is, uh, it is a demonstration of what loving kindness is. That is what Ruth shows to Naomi. It's not about her religious identification as much as it is uh, her commitment to Naomi. Okay? And, you know, so it's a marvelous statement. And that is what Boaz recognizes. That is what Boaz, that is what is attractive to Boaz. Isn't it interesting that when Boaz sees uh, Ruth, he's not thinking, hey, we're related. What a great second chance uh, or whatever I have. I'm an old man. Here is this young, attractive woman. But he doesn't, he just says, stay with my maids, you know, and I'll take care of you. What he finds most attractive about Ruth is her loving kindness, what she is made of. That is a major lesson here that sometimes we miss. It's not about Ruth's physical beauty. You know, for all we know, she wasn't that attractive, perhaps. I mean, because Boaz wasn't attracted to her initially, and then, you know, Naomi says, okay, let's get you dressed here, you know? Uh, and so on. So it's very important that it was, uh, it was this character trait that was so attractive uh, to uh, Boaz. Okay? And what a lesson. Do I need to explain that lesson to us? Right? No matter if you are a uh, man or a woman, what is most attractive is who you really are, not what you're wearing or your other pedigrees or whatever it may be, but who you are. And that's just the beginning. All right. So, radical love. Now, Boaz, on the other hand, he also demonstrates a form of radical love, but we might call it radical inclusion. Radical inclusion. Boaz, think about it, he takes in this woman who is a Moabite, you know? Uh, someone that naturally he would not, naturally he would not want to be with. Someone from Moab, someone from another place, another land, but because of her character, because of, of and, and her availability, right, coming and laying at his feet, uh, uh, he is uh, attracted to her. And so uh, we have a radical inclusion uh, of uh, Ruth and the radical love that Boaz shows to Ruth. So there's a lot of there's a lot of, uh, and I use the word radical on purpose, uh, the radical chesed that Ruth shows Naomi, the radical chesed that uh, Boaz shows both Ruth and Naomi. Uh, and it's a tremendous uh, a truth here, this radical love, radical loving kindness. Maybe one of the reasons we read this book on this day is because this is the kind uh, of way that we are called to live if we have received the Torah at Mount Sinai and furthermore have received the Torah in our hearts. 
We need to demonstrate radical love toward one another and toward those in this world that we would not normally show radical love to. And it can be family members. It can be a man and woman relationship. It can be uh, people in a community together. Or it can be people out there, whatever, you know? We are image bearers of God, and so no matter where we are, we are called to live a particular way, showing radical chesed, radical love. Now, there's a little bit more here. So you have here also a metaphor of just of the love of God. Uh, I will say the love of God toward Israel in its context, but the love of God to anybody, okay? So Naomi, as a metaphor... Naomi is like Israel in exile, living out of the land, you know, and, uh, and, and then coming back. Uh, Ruth uh, is a wonderful picture of someone from the nations blessing Israel. Ruth blessing Naomi, right? Those from the nations blessing Israel. Boaz is a wonderful metaphor, of course, of the Redeemer, of the Redeemer, uh, the, the, the one who saves both Israel and the nations, Ruth and Naomi, both of them, right? Uh, and uh, Ruth, uh, again, also, as someone from the nations, uh, she, she blesses Naomi in staying with her, but then in a way, Ruth is, a, is kind of a redeemer herself, in, in, in bringing, in giving herself to Boaz and bringing Naomi along, okay? And then Ruth becomes a partaker of the inheritance. Ruth is, we would say, as we might say in Romans chapter 11, grafted in, right? She doesn't become Israel. It's fascinating that in the book, she's never called Israel. She's, her identity is as a Moabitess, the whole way through, okay? And you know the passage, but if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and become partakers with them, not instead of them. I always like to say that when I speak in churches. doesn't say instead of them. It says with them, right? Of the rich root of the olive tree, uh, do not be arrogant uh, uh, toward the branches, Right? We're one in Messiah. So, like here at Beth Messiah, we're, we're either Israel or we're with Israel, right? Uh, you know, co inheritors, right? Very much so. All right, so you have that, this metaphor of the love of God for, for us. And we'll get back to that in just a second. It's also a wonderful picture of our, of our movement, of this uh, messianic movement. Ruth comes to live in a Jewish place, but not, as, not becoming Jewish. But she clearly identifies and is included and is a blessing and receives a blessing. Isn't that just how we talk about ourselves here at Beth Messiah? This concept of mutual blessing, right? Ruth and Naomi, both Jew and Gentile, one might say, come into a new, uh, a new status, a new identity, uh, a new blessing and a new direction and a new purpose. Okay, And so when we look here at then Ruth and Naomi, especially Ruth now, when we think about going back to the love of God, 
Okay, certainly what we see, remember what we, you know, we just said it, that Naomi is like Israel in exile, Ruth, uh, Gentile, blesses Israel, but Boaz is like the Redeemer, right? He is, he is sort of a, a messianic type, a messianic uh, figure, right? And so uh, when we think about uh, Yeshua, Yeshua is our nearest relative that has the means, motive, and opportunity to redeem, okay? Uh, you know what? I won't uh, read all the scriptures for the sake of time. But in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 2 and in chapter 4, it says how he was made like us, a human being like us. He's our nearest close relative. And we also read in 1 Peter chapter 1. This one, uh, I will read a couple of verses. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, about how Yeshua qualifies to be our Redeemer, okay? In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 17, well, just verse 18 here, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished uh, and spotless, the blood of Messiah, for he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, and, and, and so on. And so Yeshua is the only one, the only person that ever lived that has the means to redeem us from all, not just the theological bondage of sin, but from the practical bondage of sin, from the sins that we have gotten ourselves into. Yeshua is the only one in this world who has the means and the motive, like Boaz, you know, he loved Ruth, right? Uh, he, and Yeshua loves us. What do we read in 1 John? We love because he first loved us. What do we read in John chapter 3? That God, this is the way God loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever receives him has everlasting life, right? Uh, and then, of course, uh, the opportunity. Yeshua had the opportunity. And, you know, in Philippians... Right there in the second chapter, what do we read about Yeshua himself? Here we read, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, for this reason also God highly exalted him. But I just want to stop there and say, this is how Yeshua loved us. And that's the kind of attitude, chesed, loving kindness, loyal love with which he loves us. And what does he do for us? Like Boaz, and like Boaz did for Ruth, Ruth had a new identity, a new status, a new blessing, and a new trajectory right? She was no longer simply just Ruth the Moabitess. Now she had a new identity. She was married to Boaz. She, she's Boaz's wife. Wow. It was, she didn't lose her other identity, but now she's Boaz's wife. When you come to embrace Yeshua, no matter where you have been, no matter, no matter where you have been, you become part of the bride of Messiah. Your, your identity changes. 
And it really is who you are. Not only that, but you know what? Your status changes. Your status changes. Yes, uh, you know, uh, you, we're all created in the image and likeness of God, right? And we may uh, have uh, different things that we may do in, in, in this life or, or in this world. But you know what? We are a child of God. Wow. We are redeemed. We are restored. We are what God originally intended for us to be, regardless of where you have been. We have a hard time with that. We have a hard time with that, right? We have a hard time not seeing our primary identity as where we have been. And we let, oftentimes, our past define us. And, and deep, deep, deep down, who we see ourselves as. And it can make us sad, and it can make us angry. But we must always remember our new identity and our new status. But there's more. There's a new blessing, uh, a new favor shown upon her, right? A new favor. She is now, not only she's the wife of a Boaz, she has a, a, you know, a new status in the community, but now God blesses her with offspring. See, a new blessing in her life, a new blessing in her life, and a new trajectory, a new future. This Moabite girl that stuck with Naomi now is in the line of King David and in the line of Messiah. Wow. So you see, and for you and I, there's certainly a new blessing in our lives, the new covenant, the internalization of the word of God and empowerment to live a godly Torah way of life, the ethics and morals of Torah. But what a trajectory, what a future we have. Our future is with the Lord. You may think back on your life and say, my future was bad. But now, because I've turned to him, you know, in a way, it's kind of like what we've done is we lay at the feet of the Lord, you know, and he takes us in. He takes us in just the way we are, right? And so it's all about this radical love. So there's one more thing, and I'm going to say it. I don't care what time it is. Okay. And it's this. Sometimes, sometimes God uses you and I to be like a Boaz. Sometimes God uses you and I to be the person, to be like a redeemer in a person's life. And that is, that is a humbling position to be in, but one that is very gratifying. And perhaps you've been there to be a person who pours themselves into another person's life, who is a Ruth, someone coming back from a foreign place. Wow. The story of Ruth is all about redemption. It's all about redeeming people. It's all about radical love. And so you may be, right now, you may be a Ruth, or you may be a Boaz, you may be a Naomi, you might identify with, with one of them. But be encouraged about your identity and your status and you know, your blessing and your, the vision and trajectory of your life. It is a marvelous thing. And you know, this is the very last thing to say about it, for now, anyway, is that uh, if you go back carefully, remember that I said that, uh, you know, the, the origins of the Moabites, 
is uh, an incestuous relationship. Uh, Lot and his daughters, a horrible relationship. And then go back and think about Boaz's uh, ancestors, right? Where, where does Boaz come from? He comes from Judah and Tamar, right? What God has done in Ruth and Boaz is redeem the whole thing. Just redeem the whole thing. And it is a fabulous, and that is what God does in our lives when we stick with the program. He redeems our whole lives going all the way back. Wow. And on Shavuot, what a great celebration to remember in how much God indeed loves us by sending the Messiah, by him dying for our sins, being raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and pouring out the Ruach. And we'll talk more about that tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for this marvelous story of redemption, Lord, uh, of Ruth and Naomi and, and Boaz and company, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you, God, that we can relate because we indeed have all been in one way, shape, or form from Moab in a certain way, Lord. But no matter who we are and no matter where we are, Lord, thank you that you indeed are our Redeemer and that uh, we are not stuck wherever we may be. But as we live in you, Lord, you give us a new identity, a new status, a new blessing, and a new trajectory, a new vision. Lord, thank you. May we live in it. May we think about that. And may we continue to move forward having our eyes fixed on Yeshua and not the past. And may we therefore rejoice when we think about Shavuot, when we think about the presence of the Ruach in our lives and all that that means in our relationship with you. Lord, may we dwell on these things and may we rejoice in them and we pray in Messiah's name.